0: number nine of london ancient and modern this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two london from the medical point of view part six the pharmacopoeias the rise of the medical schools hospitals built by public benevolence modern medical schools and examinations london as a place of study the pharmacopoeias dr church in an article in st bartholomew's hospital reports Volume twenty called our hospital pharmacopoeia gives many interesting facts the surgeons found their own drugs in fifteen forty nine and they were allowed eighteen pounds a year because things pertaining to their faculty be very dear in a note appended to an old formula in the st bartholomew's pharmacopoeia for a poultice of which cow dung was one ingredient dr church says those who have not had the curiosity to look back at the old pharmacopoeias of the london colleges of the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries can hardly imagine the disgusting nature of the substances they contained in the catalogue of the official simples of our own london college for the year sixteen eighty nine occur homo vivens capilli, unguis saliva cerumen sordes sudor urina stercus sanguis calculi semen lac menses secundinae homo mortuus, cadaver caro cutis osa cranium cerebrum cor fell manus and this at a time when r morton edward tyson hans sloane and richard blackmore were fellows of our college and sydenham a licentiate it is not until the fifth edition of the pharmacopoeia of our london college that we get rid of the old traditions handed down from the earliest periods of medicine the seventeen forty six pharmacopoeia may be said to mark a perfect revolution or rather i should say reformation in the annals of pharmacy this purging of the pharmacopoeia of disgusting things for the most part superstitiously and dotingly derived from oracles dreams and astrological fancies was largely due to dr plumtre who was president of the college from seventeen forty to seventeen forty six and the extent of it may be gained from the fact that the simples which numbered six hundred and forty-five in the fourth edition had in the fifth dwindled to two hundred and eight many of the formulae previously in use had been derived from the east and notably from a learned pharmacologist called john of damascus concerning the date of whom authorities agree to differ The complexity of some of the old formulae was prodigious. The antidote of Matthiolius against poisons and plague contained a hundred and thirty one ingredients, and Venice treacle, which was largely prescribed by Sydenham and even later physicians, contained over sixty. In the sixth, 1788, edition of the pharmacopoeia sixty-three articles which appeared in the fifth edition were discontinued among those who stayed at his post during the plague must be mentioned dr francis bernard apothecary and subsequently physician sixteen seventy eight to st bartholomew's hospital to rightly estimate his conduct we must remember that the governors of the hospital as well as the physicians had deserted it Dr. Church gives the following extracts from the minutes of the court. Held at the Green Man, near Leighton, in the county of Essex, September twenty eighth, sixteen sixty five. Forasmuch as it was now understood that the two doctors were remiss to officiate or procure their business to be done as it ought to be it was therefore thought fit for dr bernard the apothecary whose ability is so well approved should prescribe at the present for the patients in the said doctor's stead until further orders thereon in the same court the salaries of the two doctors dr micklethwaite and dr turn were ordered not to be paid the treatment of the patients in the early days of the hospitals was occasionally a little severe thus dr steele of Guise has kindly furnished me with a few extracts made from one of the old committee books of st thomas's fifteen sixty seven patients were ordered to be whipped at the cross for misdemeanor fifteen seventy three a hand-mill was ordered to grind corn to keep patients from idleness fifteen ninety eight foul patients i e venereal notoriously lewd livers were ordered when cured to be punished at the cross before being discharged this reads like great severity but severity was probably necessary in southwark which was rather a rough suburb of london thus an old map of southwark given in mr Rendell's paper shows that in the year fifteen forty two there were some eighteen large inns of which the tabard or talbot was one here also in later times was paris garden bull rings bear rings the globe theatre and lastly the brothels or stews which were under the control of the bishop of winchester the denizens being known as winchester geese perhaps therefore it is not surprising that in this map are shown two sets of pillories and cages and that the governors of the hospital found strong measures to be necessary to maintain discipline the rise of the medical schools the anatomical lectures given by the barber-surgeons and physicians were for a long time the only sources of practical anatomical knowledge but the want of more opportunities for dissecting began in time to be felt by the apprentices of the surgeons employed at the hospitals in the latter days of the barber-surgeon's company difficulties were experienced in obtaining subjects for dissection and there is evidence to show that the officials having charge of execution were bribed to let the bodies of felons pass into private hands william Cheselton, sixteen eighty eight to seventeen fifty two was one of the chief offenders in holding private anatomies which were contrary to the rules of the company Cheselton was renowned as an anatomist and surgeon and did much to perfect the operation of lateral lithotomy and must be looked upon as the real founder of the medical school of st thomas's before his time however viz in sixteen ninety five complaint was made that the surgeons of st thomas's taught surgery to other than their own apprentices and in seventeen o two the governors of st thomas's while recognizing the right of the surgeons to take pupils ordained that none shall have more than three cubs at one time nor take any for less than a year private anatomies began gradually to be more common and in seventeen seventeen we come upon a record of body-snatching when the widow of william childers made complaint that her husband's corpse after its burial in the burying-place at moorfields was taken up by the grave-digger and sold to some surgeons which corpse was stopped at an inn in a hamper to be sent to oxford church in seventeen twenty six the anatomical museum at st bartholomew's was commenced by john freke which is strong evidence of the growth of anatomical teaching and in seventeen thirty four mention is made in the records of the dissecting room belonging to this house it was not till seventeen fifty that leave was obtained for the regular making of post-mortem examination at st bartholomew's in seventeen sixty seven an operating theater was erected and finally in eighteen twenty two an anatomical theater was built for john abernathy who was really the founder of the medical school of st bartholomew's hospitals built by public benevolence it was in the eighteenth century that the royal hospitals were found to be insufficient for the wants of the population and private benevolence began to supply the deficiencies of royal foundations the westminster hospital is said to have been the first hospital established by subscription viz in 1719 the present building dating from 1732 i can do little more than mention these hospitals but in doing so with their dates i would call attention to the fact that most of them were originally built in what were then the outskirts of the town just as st bartholomew's was outside the walls and st thomas's in the unimportant suburb of southwark guy's was founded in seventeen twenty two by thomas guy a bookseller and according to recent information a publisher he is said to have made his money partly by selling bibles partly by buying up sailors prize tickets and partly by successful speculation at the time of the south sea bubble be that as it may he spent over eighteen thousand pounds on the building of his hospital and endowed it with another two hundred and twenty thousand pounds st george's was founded in 1733. The London Hospital in 1740, the Lock Hospital in 1746, Queen Charlotte's Lying In Hospital in 1752, the Smallpox Hospital, originally at King's Cross, in 1746, the Middlesex Hospital in 1745, St. Luke's Hospital for Lunatics in 1751, the Ophthalmic Hospital, Moorfields, in 1804, charing cross hospital originating from a dispensary existing in 1818 in 1831 the royal free hospital in 1828 university college hospital in 1833 king's college hospital in 1839 brompton consumption hospital in 1844 and st mary's hospital in 1851 the above list includes only some of the chief hospitals of london and it is impossible to overestimate the service they have done to humanity not only by relieving distress but in disseminating a knowledge of medicine and surgery in bringing this part of my address to a close i have only to mention that in seventeen forty five the surgeons finally separated from the barbers they obtained a new charter and removed to surgeon's hall in the old bailey where they remained until eighteen hundred when they again removed to the present house in lincoln's inn fields and became the royal college of surgeons of england in treating of a subject like that which i have chosen it becomes necessary to adopt some plan of limitation otherwise one would talk interminably on this account i have resolved to give no details concerning the great london physicians and surgeons who flourished in the eighteenth and the beginning of the nineteenth centuries If, therefore, I say nothing of Arbuthnot, Eichenside, Mead, Pringle, Smelly, Baker, William and John Hunter, Klein, Sharp, Percival Pot, Abernathy, Sir Charles Bell, Liston, Brody, Astley, Cooper, John Abernathy, William Lawrence, and many others, it is not from want of appreciation of their merits, but merely because to do so would take me too far.' i purpose therefore to skip over the eighteenth and the beginning of the nineteenth century and conclude my paper with a few remarks on the teaching of medicine in modern london fifty years ago medical schools were very different from what they are now the teaching was far less thorough the examinations far less complete for example according to sir james paget st bartholomew's hospital fifty years ago it was the universal custom for students to be apprenticed in the country and to spend eighteen months in london before going up for the college and hall the examination at the college of surgeons was conducted by ten examiners who sat at a semicircular table was entirely viva voce and lasted twenty minutes the teaching for these examinations was entirely by lectures and it was no uncommon thing for one man to lecture on more than one subject thus at st bartholomew's stanley who was surgeon to the hospital lectured on anatomy and physiology and the senior physician in medicine and chemistry while of clinical instruction there was practically none the operating was swift and dexterous the mortality after it great for there was scarcely a thought about blood infections none would hesitate to go straight from a dissection of a dead body to an operation on a living one and at the first dressing of an amputation or any large wound the stench of the decomposing bloody fluid running from it was enough to infect the whole ward the nursing at that time was of a rough order the nurses were often intemperate and almost always women who morally and intellectually might fairly be classed among the lower orders modern medical schools and examinations things are very different now and it is only fair to state that this college and the university of london were undoubtedly the pioneers in that great improvement in medical education and medical examinations which has taken place during the reign of her majesty university college was established in eighteen twenty eight and within ten years of that date we find an illustrious staff of professors nearly every one of whom has had an important share in increasing our knowledge of natural science in its widest sense turner and thomas graham the latter certainly the greatest chemist of his time were teaching chemistry lindley and grant each of them preeminent in his own department of knowledge held the chairs of botany and comparative anatomy while dionysius lardner a man of great learning in whom the power of expounding and lecturing was developed to an extraordinary degree was professor of natural philosophy Quain and sharpie were teaching anatomy and physiology and writing the world-famous textbook still known as Quain and sharpie carswell was professor of morbid anatomy and producing the series of marvelous water-color drawings illustrative of his subject which are and ever must be reckoned among the greatest treasures of our museum samuel cooper and liston were teaching surgery anthony todd thompson materia medica davis midwifery gordon smith medical jurisprudence while elliotson and c j b williams who but lately was the sole survivor of his then colleagues were setting an example in the teaching of medicine the effect of which is doubtless felt amongst us still here then more than fifty years ago was a medical school complete in the modern sense our teaching has been altered in its details and has tended to become more and more practical but in principle it is the same now as it was then each branch of knowledge which is necessary for a medical man is provided for and controlled by a separate professor and it is a remarkable fact and redounds greatly to the foresight and wisdom of our founders that the number of professorial chairs remains the same the only addition being the all-important one of public health and hygiene in the establishment of which we were again the pioneers among medical schools if imitation be the sincerest form of flattery we ought to feel proud for every school in london is now formed more or less perfectly on the model established here in eighteen twenty-eight fifty years ago as sir james paget reminds us medical examinations were conducted in practically the same manner as that which is immortalized by smollett in the pages of roderick random but fifty years ago was founded the university of london an institution which lives and progresses in spite of torrents of abuse and which has had a greater effect for good upon medical education in this country than all the other universities and medical corporations put together the great merit of the university of london consists not in the severity of its examinations in which particular it is fully equalled by the corporations but in the training which it obliges each of its graduates to undergo and when the general medical council some few years since reported on the final professional examinations without reference to the two earlier examinations it showed a want of appreciation of the principles which have guided this university the university of london from the first decided that no one should become even an undergraduate who had not mastered his a b c not merely the a b c of mathematics and certain selected languages but the a b c of science also there are many who still cavil at the breadth of the matriculation and seem to forget that it comprises no subject that a decently educated man can in the present day ignore it is argued that this wide smattering of knowledge which the matriculation involves is wrong and that the best training for the mind is to master one subject thoroughly a thing which nobody in this world ever did and schoolboys of sixteen least of all the correlation of knowledge is so complete that no one can attempt to master any one branch without some knowledge of many other branches and in this fact is found the justification for the first examination which a medical student has to undergo which of the subjects of the matriculation is unnecessary for a decently educated doctor the preliminary scientific examination is the most abused of all but in making a knowledge of natural philosophy chemistry and biology precede the study of anatomy and physiology the university of london is undoubtedly right and there are signs that the other examining bodies are coming round to the same opinion of the final examination i need say nothing there are those who say even eminent persons and notably one aberdeen graduate that the effect of the university of london has not been good and that the medical graduates are not practical men this assertion is too ridiculous to require an answer for it is notorious that the london medical graduates have had more than their fair share and in the practical advances made by medicine in the last half century and in medicine surgery midwifery and public health they have more than held their own it is very possible that a scientific training makes it rather difficult for a conscientious man to be dogmatic and until the public is more highly educated than at present the dogmatic practitioner is sure to have a large clientele and will pass for a practical man Scientific medicine has made enormous advances, but for a knowledge of the little arts, not always honest arts, which tend to increase our gains, John of Ardern was quite equal to any practitioner of the present day. He was, in one sense, preeminently a practical man, but whether we should do well to imitate him is more than doubtful. LONDON AS A PLACE OF STUDY there can be no doubt that as a place to study medicine london is because of its enormous population unrivalled in the year eighteen eighty seven according to the hospital there were treated at the london hospitals and dispensaries seventy nine thousand two hundred and sixty one inpatients and one million one hundred and eighty thousand two hundred and fifty one outpatients or a total of over one million and a quarter exclusive of those who received relief at the workhouse infirmaries sick asylums and lunatic asylums it is true that a considerable portion of these patients are not so readily available for the student as they might be the following are the numbers of patients according to the hospital treated at the hospitals attached to the medical schools in 1887 readers note here follows a large table this gives a total of one thousand three hundred and eighty six different patients for every day throughout the year it is certain that no city in the world offers a field for medical study in any way equal to that of london i think it is much to be regretted that for qualified men a composition ticket admitting freely to the practice of all the hospitals in london is not arranged for if such a ticket were issued and qualified men anxious to prolong their studies might in return for a payment feel themselves free to visit any or all of the great london hospitals there can be no doubt that we should have a great afflux of students i very much doubt the wisdom of the policy of trying to attract numbers of students by lowering the examination tests for a degree this is an educational age and we must not forget that some of the boys at the board schools have possibly a juster knowledge of physiology than had many of our professional ancestors science is being taught to all more and more every day the druggist is now a highly educated man, and nurses are being drawn more and more from the educated classes. If the medical profession is to hold its own and to grow in popular esteem, it must be chary about lowering its educational standards at a time when the education of all classes is advancing. End of number nine, End of London, Ancient and Modern, by George Vivian Poor.